It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important story. Socialization of transportation, education, energy, housing, and water. What it means is, is that government controls it through rules and regulations. The latest in politics and world affairs. Under this guise of bipartisanship and nonpartisanship, it's actually tapped down the truth. Today's current opinions and ideas. On an equal field in the battle of ideas, mistruths or misconceptions, and it is getting us into a world of hurt. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Each of you are treasured, valued. You have purpose today. Strive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. And I get to work with a great team. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Jen, Keith, Charlie, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Valentine's Day to you, producer Steve. That was a sneaky way of saying uh, what, really, <laughs> what day it really is. But yes, thank you. And in studio with me is my good friend, Susan Kochevar. Great to have you here. Thank you. And I got to spend uh, part of the weekend with you down in Colorado Springs at the Leadership Program in the Rockies uh, retreat, which was great. Some really terrific speakers. Absolutely. Yep. So it's great to have you here. We're going to go through some of the headlines and uh, find out what you think about some of the the things going on out there. But before we get into all of that, check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You'll get first look at all of our upcoming guests, most recent op-eds and podcasts. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com. And thank you to all of you who support us. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, wanted to go ahead and jump into our quote for today. And I was looking for for Valentine's quotes and ended up biblical quotes. And this is uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 7. It says, uh, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And I thought, well, that's, that's a really great quote for uh, Valentine's Day, Susan. Yes, it is. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, talk about our bill of the day. As you all know, uh, Patty, our researcher, has been pulling uh, bills of the day, and the one that uh, is on for today, and then I want to go back to Fridays, but this is, um, sponsors are Kevin Priola, who is a senator, a a Republican, and representatives Barbara McLaughlin, Democrat, and Hugh McKean, Republican. And it's Senate Bill 22008, says higher education support for foster youth. And it says, Colorado Youth Advisory Council Review Committee. The bill requires all public higher education institutions in Colorado to waive undergraduate tuition and fees for Colorado resident students who have been in foster care or following an adjudication as neglected or dependent in non-certified kinship care in Colorado at any time on or after reaching the age of 13. Uh, The institution is required to designate an employee to serve as a liaison to qualifying or prospective qualifying students. And under existing law, school districts and the state charter school institute must designate an employee to act as the child welfare education liaison. The bill requires child welfare education liaisons to provide students in out-of-home placement with information and assistance regarding the tuition waiver for qualifying students. What do you think, Susan? I think Adams County needs to primary Kevin Priola, and I think they need to censure him. He has he, he runs horrible bills, but Hugh McKean's on here as well, and he's uh, yes. he's the head of the the Republicans over on the uh, uh, in the House. Yes, this this is it, 
this bill is picking winners and losers. Let's say, I, I feel bad for, you know, students who are, you know, not in their home, out of home placement, stuff like that. But this is not the right way to help them. To force institutions, first of all, to offer free tuition, does that mean that the professors are going to work for free? No. No. What that means is, is that people will be paying for this tuition. And in the old days, I get it. A college education many times meant putting you on the path of success. That's not the case so much anymore. And, uh, I mean, I've interviewed so many different World War II veterans that at the age of 17, they joined the military to, um, to fight for our country. So here, uh, what, what about uh, vocational technical training? And the indoctrination that we've seen in these higher, uh, higher ed universities and colleges, this is having the taxpayer pay for indoctrination, I think, for kids that um, have been in foster care. Now, there is the, the whole foster care situ- uh, um, oh, uh, uh, situation here in, in America is it, it's terrible. As I was reading this, reading about one particular student that had been for, in 14 different foster care homes. But back in the great society under LBJ, we got rid of orphanages. And orphanages actually were stable. Granted, there were some that weren't great, but there were a lot of really great orphanages. And they were stable. Many of them were through the Catholic Church, but they were stable. Kids were there. They had discipline. Um, And uh, we got rid of those. And so we went to foster care, and then many of these kids do go through different, uh, a bunch of different homes. And so we need to address that instead of coming up with a bill to offer free tuition. Sure, those kids get lost in the foster care system. How many times have we heard that they, you know, did tragic things happen to them in the system because they can't follow them? There's, there's so many of them. And um, shoot, I lost my point on, on that. But this bill... Um, How many times have we heard students say that they go through college and they can't get a job? There's no return on the investment for the kids who have paid for college education. And I don't think that that's um, actually providing them with much. It's much better, as you say, to go through a technical school. The other thing about it is whatever happened to having to earn a scholarship and whatever happened to working your way through college. Yes. And so just giving somebody something for free... And I I was actually thinking about it this weekend, uh, Susan, because you had invited me to attend this retreat with you because you had an extra ticket. And I felt that I wanted to do to pay back in in some ways, like split the room and, and help pay towards my ticket. And I realized that I felt better sitting next to you there, feeling like instead of you just giving me something, that I actually had given you something in return for that. Yes, you should always. I think they should. students should work while they go to college. For one thing, you learn the practical experience of what you like to do and what you don't like to do. But it also gives you an understanding of business and customers and all, all sorts of things. I mean, there's so many reasons to work while you're going to school. Well, and we talked about the, uh, inflation. Inflation is, uh, I think the government said it's at 7.5%. Uh, we keep this up in, uh, what, in a few years, basically, your money is is getting close to work worth nothing. Um, but if you give tuition away for free, then what happens is is there's no 
no reason to tr try to keep that tuition in check. And it continues to go up and up and up. It becomes less attainable for people that are working to try to get to it. And, um, and, and once again, there's no checks or balances when you're giving things away for free. Absolutely. And we know it's not free. Somebody has somebody is going to pay that tuition. And the somebodies are the taxpayers of Colorado. True. I and shouldn't do this, but this is like <clears throat> waving a red flag in front of a bull. But ladies, what do you think of this statement about half the way down there? Oh, let me find it again. The state of Colorado owes this to our foster youth, said Rachel Zenziger, an Arvada Democrat. We are their parent. What am I to make of that? The government is their parent. I, I, I had highlighted that. The other thing, Susan, a, a little higher up here, it says that this is a legislative effort led by Democrats, but with at least some Republican support. Uh, once again, it's a Democrat bill, but then we have, as uh, it said here, Kevin Priola and Hugh McKean on it. So I, I tell you what, it's really frustrating when, when Republicans carry the water for Democrat ideals. Yes, and that's why I, I say that about Kevin Priola. He has done that for a lot of years. And you'll also recall maybe he has another bill in the legislature this year. I don't know the status on it, but it really hurts small businesses. You cannot hand out a plastic silverware with takeout. You have, the customer has to ask for it. Yes, we talked about that. We call it the spoon bill. Yes, and the, that silverware, the plastic silverware is recyclable. So I don't see any value at all in in pushing that. Okay, I love Wendy's chili. Mm -hmm. What if I go through line, the line at noon and I go through the line, get my chili and get to where I'm parked, where I'm going to eat my lunch and I get through there and there's no spoon because I didn't ask for it. I mean, come on. Look at the problems we have going on in our state right now. Look at what's going on in America. And we actually have people that are running bills regarding spoons. What I'd like to see these Republicans do down at the legislature is they get five bills each, is start to run bills to repeal some of the stuff that's out there. But I, I want to give, give a shout out here to Republican Senators Paul Lundin of Monument and Barbara Kirkmeyer of Weld County. They voted against this proposal. Lundin said he appreciates the goals of the bill, but is opposed to mandating that colleges waive tuition. People, not policy, change other people's lives, he said. I, pursue, perceive, I perceive the need, Lundin said. I do not perceive this as the optimized policy response. Good for him on that. Well said. Okay. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and... But no, you know what? Let's go to break early, and because I want to spend some time on the bill of the day that we had on on Friday, and uh, before we do that, though, Hooters Restaurants is a sponsor of both the shows. They have five locations: Lone Tree, Westminster, Aurora, Colorado Springs, and Loveland. And they're they're keeping the line right now with inflation out there. They still have their ten dollar burger specials, and they have a mushroom Swiss burger. A bacon blue burger, a Southwest burger, Western burger, a mac and cheese burger, or a Cali burger. So again, that's ten dollars uh, for the burger special at all of the Hooters restaurants. You can find all of my sponsors on my website. In studio with me is Susan Kochevar. She is the owner of Eighty Eight Drive-In Theater, and you are going to open soon too, huh? Yep, we're looking to open in mid-April or very early May. The pictures look fabulous this year. Really? Yes. Okay. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back with Susan Kochevar. With the federal government printing money, it looks like inflation is on the horizon. That is why you should lock in a low rate now on your mortgage. 
Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group is here to help. Lauren works with a variety of lenders to assist you in finding the mortgage that is just right for you. Locking in a low rate now will save you thousands of dollars over the life of your loan. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait any longer. Call Lauren today at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to all of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We are searching for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through this lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. It is never compassionate to take other people's stuff, whether or not it's their rights, their property, their freedom, or their livelihood, via force, whether with a weapon, policy, unpredictable and excessive taxation, or the um, fear, or the latest, which is uh, government-induced inflation. Susan, I wanted to go through the bill of the day. We, we rushed through it on Friday. We had so much going on. And that was, uh, this is House Bill 221151, the Turf Replacement Program. And it is bipartisan. On the House side is Representatives Mark Catlin, Republican, and Dylan Roberts, Democrat. And Senators Jeff Bridges, Democrat, and Cleve Simpson, Republican. And I'll read the bill summary. The bill requires the Colorado Water Conservation Board to develop a statewide program to provide financial incentives for the voluntary replacement of irrigated turf with water-wise landscaping, uh, the, the turf replacement program. The bill defines water-wise landscaping as water and plant management practice that emphasizes using plants with lower water needs. Uh, local governments, certain districts, Native American tribes, and nonprofit organizations with their own turf replacement programs may apply to the board for money to help finance their turf replacement programs. The board will contract with one or more third parties to administer one or more turf replacement programs in areas where local turf replacement programs do not exist. Susan, do you see a problem with this at all? Yeah. Well, one of the things that strikes me is uh, it seems like an incentive for uh, development, actually. If you constrict the water use on the people who are already here, then you can make your argument for more apartment complexes. Oh, Steve, what do you think about that one? Well, it seems to me somebody else I know brought that very thing up on Friday. (laughs) Yes. uh, So. So I, I've, watched, I've watched development here in Colorado, and from a property rights standpoint, I do think that the people should be able to be in charge of their property. However, I've had long conversations with Randall O'Toole with the Keno Institute. I need to get him back on, and his blog is The Antiplanner. He said that single-family zoning is actually a property right. Now, I hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. But when we were looking at South Glen, uh, there had been, and I don't really know where they're at on that, was there had been this movement to change the zoning 
So where the Sears, old Sears building was to put in a four or five story apartment building. And the single family neighborhood around there was very concerned because that would change the complexion of where they were. Of of how you know they bought their homes and and that would change the complexion of their neighborhood, and I I it, I kind of had to walk through this with Randall that in a way that was an affront upon their property rights. Here we have Polis, where his goal is is to have people kind of like the Great Reset, people living in these uh, four and five star story apartment buildings along light rail, and. The Economic Development Office of the state has been offering incentives to bring businesses in here where they would have employees that would have to live in those those high-rises, and those high-rises use a lot of water. So while over here, this may make, maybe it makes some sense, but I would say that people would decide to change their turf because of their water bill instead of the government offering incentive. Am I all over the place on this? Right. No, and, and I see what you're saying. And the uh, Now, there is, there is an argument to be made for whoever owns the land that they want to put the apartment buildings on. That person has property rights as well, uh, and, and they obviously want to sell it. So the correct answer to that situation is for the neighbors to get together and to buy the property. So that property owner gets his money, and they don't have to put a high-rise there. You know, you can't you, in balancing property rights. Whoever owns that piece of land, it has a property right too. However, I don't think cities should have economic development money. Period. It it uh, un uh, it destabilizes uh, property rights and <clears throat> excuse me markets and. When I was on city council, uh, because you, you're seeing economic development offices <clears throat> at local, county, and the state level. And what I realized was, <coughs> is that these boards of uh, these economic development offices, <clears throat> they were making decisions on who got breaks and who didn't, who maybe got, uh, got rules or regulations relaxed, who got tax incentives. And I said, if it works for this big business, if it's better for them, lower taxes, lower rules and regulations, then how about that would be great for everybody across the spectrum? Right. I have heard um, planning commissions deny somebody, say, that wanted uh, to put in a car wash because they wanted something else in that spot. And you know, so they bring in the economic development or, or deny people whatever they want to build, even though it's clearly probably that the car wash was something the neighborhood needed. So That actually happened in my neighborhood just recently. Did it really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that sort of interference with just whoever is sitting in the city that decides the city planners kind of treating people like a Sims game and moving things around, that really destabilizes market needs. Okay. And on that, I was thinking about that because there was a car wash that was proposed where a Mimi's restaurant was, which is uh, closed now. I was thinking about the property owner. They're still having to pay property taxes, and if they sold the property or however they worked it out to the car wash, then they no longer had to pay those property taxes, or if they leased the land to the car wash, then they were getting income in. But I was thinking about the poor property owner on that. They're they're having to pay their taxes, but they're not getting any income coming in. No, and sometimes then you'll see the properties get kind of dilapidated because they just don't have the money or or condemned and taken. Uh, that is, and sometimes that's that particular person's retirement. Or I mean, you are you're, you're 
boy, just making somebody a slave when you do that. Well, and a lot of these businesses, Steve and I live in the same, uh, basically the same neighborhood, and I can't believe all the closed restaurants up and down Yosemite, Producer Steve. No, it's uh, you drive up and down that stretch. You know, well, I do it, I don't know how many times a week, but it seems like every time I, something else catches my eye, it's like there's another one that didn't make it back you know, from the pandemic. Or for whatever reason, they're not there. And don't forget that other one that's sitting near the uh, fire station has been sitting there for 15 years. As for, you know, a prime property, empty, vacant. And it's like somebody is losing their shirt. Yeah, I know. Let's uh, let's jump over here to something else, though. We had um, recently Dr. James Lyonsweiler on, and we uh, were talking about the vaccine for little kids for babies Mm -hmm. and uh, really we have some great news here Uh, first of all there's a piece that patty had pulled and he uh, you can find him at substack under popular rationalism and the title is red flags all over over pfizer's bid for the eua for young children he said no benefit there's a data leak potential um, hacking it suffered the little children, no justification for terrifying children and placing them at risk. And so it's a pretty extensive piece that he's written. And then I looked at the next headline from the Epoch Times, and the FDA is postponing the decision on the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine for young children. And I texted him and he said, yes, this is a win that they are delaying this right now. Yeah, it really is. Um We're seeing all kinds of dangers for those little kids. But they also, Pfizer has to, I think... They have to start releasing more information, and I think they have another 500 pages or something coming out very quickly. And so they think that has something to do with why they're pulling this back. And then over on the other front, we look at the next headline, and it says the Supreme Court rejects the effort to block the vaccine mandate for New York City school teachers without religious exemptions. Uh, First of all, I'm hearing from a number of people at different companies that they've asked for either a medical or a religious exemption, and it's been denied. Uh, But Susan, you and I, and you really kind of pushed me on this, is what if you don't want to get a religious exemption or a medical exemption, but you just don't want the vaccine? From a big, broader picture, you shouldn't have to ask for an exemption on either of those, those particular merits. Um, we just shouldn't be forcing people to do this. Yes, you should just be able to say no. Why should you have to apply for, say, a religious exemption? Who determines whether or not you actually get that uh, exemption? Are you religious enough? Um, is this an approved religion? What is that? Who determines that? <laughs> and when you just you, when you just said this, don't you remember the whole war on drug, drugs thing? Right. It was just say no. Yes. But now you can't just say no. And the government is the biggest... Um, drug pusher right now on the planet. They absolutely are. I I don't watch very much TV, but about a week ago, I went and had my nails done, and they had the news on uh, just one of the local channels. Every commercial break was predominantly uh, big pharma. It's it's horrible. I know. It used to be, remember in the old days where where it used to be cereal and coffee and all those kinds of things? Yeah. So, hey, um, we're going to go to break here in just a little bit. Before we do that, though, Keith Rennison is on on the line. And he is, he's a speaker, he's an author, and he has something called the trip technique. Which, uh, when he and I were talking about this, we thought, well, this would be something to highlight regarding 
Valentine's Day relationships. Keith Rennison, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kim. How are you? I am good. So the trip technique, tell our listeners what that is exactly. It's a perfect gift for Valentine's Day. (laughs) Okay, how so? (laughs) Well, we all want to learn more about our partner, right? We all want to know more about how we can uh, satisfy our partner and be, be there for them for all kinds of different ways. And there's all kinds of assessments that are in the, in the educational workspace that help people find out about how, who and what they are. And my trip technique assessment allows people to learn about how strong or weak they are in, in four character traits, tenacity, resilience, imagination, and purpose. And I'm sure you've heard of the love languages. Mm-hmm. That's another way that couples can be able to look to see how they can, uh, how they react to different things with different kinds of stimuli in their relationships. The love languages help you look at how you like to receive and give love. The trip technique assessment tells you how you, whether you're tenacious at doing those kinds of things, how much practice you need to be resilient to be able to bounce back when a relationship isn't doing doing well, to find, have the imagination to be able to look for different ways to be able to improve the relationship, and lastly, how you set a purpose for what your relationship is all about. And the love languages help you kind of look at it from a love point of view, the trip technique allows you to look at it as to how your how your strengths and weaknesses in your character traits. And I think those are things that people don't often even think about when they enter into a relationship. All of a sudden, they just got the hormones racing, <laughs> and mm-hmm. suddenly they're ready to go. But they don't think about how the relationship is going to be affected by other kinds of character traits. And it makes it a lot more fun, I think, when you look at it from that kind of point of view. Okay. Uh, and how can people get more information, Keith? From the triptechnique.com. That's where we have the uh, my website and the uh, assessment is on there. Or uh, people can use the contact button to, to get in touch with me, and uh, I can discuss it with them and see where we go from there. Okay. And again, one more time, what's that website? Thetriptechnique.com. Okay. Well, th- I think that's the perfect uh, conversation for Valentine's Day. Keith Rennison, thank you so much. Take care, Kim. Okay. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking with uh, Susan Kochevar about, uh, I, I want to talk about the Great Reset, mm-hmm. because we've been talking a lot about that uh, just offline. So we're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Home ownership and private property rights help you build wealth for you and your family. REMAX Alliance award-winning realtor Karen Levine understands this. Supply is super tight right now. This is why you need a seasoned professional with excellent negotiating skills on your side of the table, whether buying or selling an existing home or buying a new build. As a member of the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors, Karen Levine volunteers hours of her time to help you build your American dream. Call her today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson. M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim as well. 
Uh, Susan Kochevar is in studio. She's a great sponsor of the show. Uh, she's the owner of 88 Drive-In Theater, which will open very soon. Uh, you can kind of feel it, that spring is right around the corner. I've heard the birds singing, uh, and I know I'm, I'm getting excited, although I do hope we get some more uh, snow. Moisture, yes. Yeah, more. But um, anyway, you'll open soon. Yeah, I'm just back from the drive-in convention, which is in Orlando. So when that happens, then I start thinking about opening, and you know, as the um, weather gets a little warmer and the trees start to bloom, mm-hmm. I start to get anxious. Okay. How many people are at the driving convention? Uh, I don't know how many. About 170 of them, I think, this time. Okay. Yeah. And what do you talk about? Movies or what? Movies, um, snacks, running your business. You know, most of us are family runs. We talk about our families and kids and our employees and funny stories. And it's just, it's a really a wonderful community. Nationwide, there are about 323 drive-ins, I think. And we've actually had 13 new builds during the pandemic. Really? So uh, that has been sort of interesting to, to see. And we sort of all talk and kind of help those folks along. But the main uh, topic of concern was the fact that we can't get supplies. And so, you know, like I can't get soda bibs. I, I can't get chips. Now, what's a soda bib? Uh, it's just the syrup that you hook into your soda machine and it gets, you know, mixed with the water and the CO2 to make your soda. So that's very, been very difficult. It's been especially difficult to get candy for all of the theaters. And that, I think, ties into the great reset discussion because small businesses are being choked out and i think that is the plan okay the great reset uh, is uh, i call him klaus schlob mm-hmm. uh, and um davos all the you know the the elites go over there and and karen levine and i had done a show on this on the great reset where they basically have said that by 2030 we regular people mm-hmm. will own nothing and we'll be happy about it and eat bugs and he bugs them. Yeah, they those, don't like beef. Those of us that survive, that is what Klaus Schwab <laughs> said. Those are his exact words. I really want to know what he means by that. Well, I, I think I see, I, I thought, well, how could that really be? But, and Steve had mentioned this, we'll talk about it on Thursday when Karen and Lorne are in. But I see taxing people out of their homes. And when we look at at home ownership, which is a great way that Americans have been able to create wealth, property taxes, taxes will price people out of their homes. And uh, I, I know that there's different school districts looking at mill levy increases. I think we need to say stop. And uh, I'm very concerned for, for example, somebody that's retired. They've saved, they're on a fixed income, they've paid their house off. But they may get priced out of their home with property taxes, Susan. Or businesses. Yes. Well, and why do we need more schools? Our population isn't even replacing itself at this point. Elon Musk has been screaming from the tops of the buildings, listen, we are not going to have enough population to support ourselves. So um, I don't think, why do we need all that stuff? Nobody ever stops to ask those questions. And at our conference this weekend, we had a great economist there, and he was talking about how they've been printing all this money, and that's part of the Great Reset. The Federal Reserve is tied into to all of that as well, which is just the big 12 banks. So the money supply goes up. And then inflation rises. Yeah, the, so the value of your dollar goes down. Mm-hmm. So you have taxes over here, 
But then you have inflation, and we've seen this. It's government-induced inflation. There is a stark – whether or not you – I wonder how people are feeling about I didn't like his tweets when uh, somebody said this weekend, yeah, you may not have liked Trump's tweets, but you had a lot more money in your pocket. Yeah, how you doing now? Well, and I think uh, choking off those supply lines is another part of um, that inflation because you have all that money printed. You know, inflation is – is too, is too many dollars chasing too few goods. So when they choke off the supply lines and choke off the small businesses, you have even fewer goods. And I think it's, uh, boy, that looks like a, a plan to me. Why is there not more pressure to get those supplies open? Where is our American I-can-do-it spirit? We can get this done. We can get our supplies op- our supply lines open. I, I don't see that, and it's very frightening. This Great Reset is like death by a thousand cuts. They come at you through the property taxes, uh, spending uh, the United States into oblivion, choking supply lines. There's there's so many ways uh, to, you know, to just kill us off. Well, and it, it, we're in a very complex kind of messy time right now. Mm-hmm. However, it, it's a it's an exciting time with the COVID nineteen Wuhan China virus. We it, basically the veil came off on all kinds of things, and then also with this election integrity thing, uh, we're starting to get more and more information about that. So the veil has come off on so many different things, and who would have really thought that the the real push on this? On the, I would say the real push on the Great Reset is the Canadian truckers. Yes, fantastic. Just shut everything down. Uh, you can't do anything without us. <laughs> well, and and so the Great Reset wants to shut everything down. But the, the Canadian truckers said, okay, you want to force us to do this? We're going we're gonna to protest. I, I've been so astounded at, uh, speaking of Great Reset, Justin Trudeau. He's right down that alley. And, mm-hmm. again, this is messy. It's complex. I've seen headlines that they sent tow trucks in to tow, <laughs> tow the trucks. It was so interesting that the Michigan governor, what is her, Gretchen Whitmer, Whitmer that she was actually offering to go over into another country to uh, actually move the truckers around. What is that about jurisdiction? That's insane. And then I heard people talk, well, we're going to slash your tires and tow your tires. They've never ever, they don't know anything about tires. You don't want to slash those tires. They're steel belted tires, and you slash those, you, they're going to explode in your face. You're, you'll be lucky if you survive. Why would you want, but, <laughs> but where were they during uh, all the riots? Yeah. With BLM and yeah. Antifa and. Burning buildings, burning small businesses, all of that. So, regarding the Great Reset. Uh, it's really the elite and everybody else. And I know that you've done, you've been listening to Glenn Beck. He's got Mm -hmm. this new book out. Uh, And so what's some of your takeaways from that, Susan? Well, he talks about some ways to help. And one of the best things he says to do is take your money out of the big banks. Uh, They are all part of that. And to watch uh, and make sure that your bank isn't using uh, these social scores to give loans rather than your actual ability to repay the loan in your credit history so they have uh, ESG scores and um, you know social and you know government scores and different things it's, it's nothing to do Sounds with so Chinese it, it's <laughs> very bad yeah one interesting thing happened over the weekend you know when you look at Davos and the people who are part of the Great Reset and you'll see you know people like Bill Gates that go and and Charles Schwab and and Justin Trudeau he was actually their one of their favorite Speakers? Politicians, yeah, coming up, you know, 
leaders. Uh, Hillary Clinton goes, too. And what do we see happen this weekend? As we march closer to the election, I'm noticing more and more things coming out to attack um, some of the people, especially Hillary Clinton. So John Durham's report came out where and, and, and said that uh, the Clinton campaign paid a technology firm to infiltrate the, te- the technology in the White House and in uh, Trump's building, Trump Tower. So they actually tapped into the White House. That is... Uh, well, remember, remember when Trump said they're spying on me? Yes, and and the media made it made it look like he had a, a tin hat on. Yeah, but they really were, and we're finding out it's not really a conspiracy if, in fact, it was true. No, it's it's not. But but let's talk a little bit more about this. You will by twenty thirty, you will own nothing, and you'll be happy about it. Um, I I cannot believe what has happened regarding housing supply. Mm-hmm. And what this has done to our young people, pushing them into apartments. I remember, again, <clears throat> and, and I think Colorado has been on the forefront of this great reset because we were one of the few cities, well, okay, Lone Tree, when I was on city council, there was this big push by the mayor and the mayor pro tem, both had ours behind their names. But they talked about this transit-orientated development, which was another name for having people live in little cracker box apartments. Now they call them luxury apartments, but up and down the light rail. Uh, And you'd ride around on the train, on your bicycle, live in a little box, and you'd be happy about it. And that that same language um, we're seeing in the Great Reset. And in fact... You would see these politicians say millennials don't want to, they don't want to own a home. They want to live in these. Well, we're finding that's not true. I talked to so many millennials, particularly after COVID, where they had to spend all this time in an apartment. They would have loved to have had their their own home. And as um, Randall O'Toole said, with their own park, which was their backyard. Yeah. And remember, remember when the parks during COVID that they rope them off so you could not your kids could not go to the park and play and what turns out to be the best thing for covid sunshine yeah that is exactly what they're doing and i think that um some of their little plans i think are backfiring because the covid uh shutdowns made a lot of people just flee the cities for for smaller uh, more rural areas and as millennials get older and want families you're not going to have a family in those they, because they really are little cracker box apartments that you pay a fortune for. You can't raise a family in that. And so they, they want more homes. And we know building wealth, owning a home, is one of the best ways to build wealth. So what they're doing makes me super angry. These poor kids aren't, aren't even able to get afford a condo, it, you know, to get a starter home. It's really bad. And the other thing that was brought up at the conference this weekend was the attack on young men. So they are afraid to ask girls out for dates, and so we can't form families. All this stuff is all, I guess, insidious is the word. Well, it is, and it it really, I, I look back to the 60s, but actually the movement was even before them. But the 60s really ramped up. And then I think it was in the 80s that we started to see this public policy that was really an assault on on the American dream, where we, um, kind of the assault, as you mentioned, on young men. The feminist movement mm-hmm. turned into a Marxist movement. I, I, I think women should 
I mean, I, I think that we, uh, when I say we should be treated equally, we should be able to compete, compete um, yes. on a meritocracy. Uh, and, and But uh, as far as giving people special privileges because of their gender or their color or whatever, that is against the American idea. We want to make sure that everybody has uh, equal how, I got to get this right. The, the opportunity, but not the the equal outcome. That's right. Yes, you have the opportunity <clears throat> to to work for what you want. The other thing I think that came out of the '60s, which was in the women's movement, which was super bad, was they made women feel guilty for not having it all right now. And I know that's one of the things that I talked to my daughter about. You know, okay, so you can't have it all at one point. You know, you you have a long life and. It's kind of segmented. You know, you, you raise your family and you do a great job with that. And then you go on to a career or you have a career and then family. I mean, you could you can divide it up like that. Um, but that that's what I'm finding now when I look back at, at my life. And that's one thing I want to tell people. Don't feel like you have to have it all right now. Enjoy what you're doing. Enjoy the journey. And <clears throat> on, on that point, the feminist movement has said to young girls that career is more important than family. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is so many women buy into that, and then by the time realize that, oh, gosh, family could be important, their biological clock is ticking away. And I, I also think this is part of this whole great reset thing where we don't, we don't have families as much. Uh, mm-hmm. This assault on our young men. The um, speaker that you're talking about, and I, I see that you have you brought his book in. Uh, is it Mark? Yeah, it's uh, Dr. Mark McDonald, and the book is United States of Fear: How America Fell Victim to a Mass Delusional Psychosis. I started to read this this weekend, and what we have done to our young men, uh, where if they would even say at the office. Guys, you look great. In fact, he told a story that somebody, no, I think it was a a question that was asked, is that that young man got hauled into HR. Yeah, for telling a woman he he thought her sweater was nice. Yeah. And that was the thing, that that this this, uh, Mark McDonald, who's a psychologist, says that, you know, men are afraid to ask women out now. And so they, they worked with this young man so that he could ask this girl out and start by saying she has a nice sweater, and he found himself fired. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and then he said he had two patients, and one of them was a 27-year-old man who was terrified to ask anybody out because Mm -hmm. you can be accused of all kinds of things. And then he said he had another patient, a fabulous young woman, who's sitting home alone because nobody asks her out. Yeah. Is this part of the Great Reset? I think so. And and there's one other um, aspect that I think um, we don't talk about, and it's been going on for a long time. So women were busy working and, and, you know, putting their, they just put their kids in school and hey, check that box and, you know, we're getting them educated and they're not paying attention to what's going on like they should because if too many things going at once, I can't tell you how many friends I have whose children went through the public schools and, and separated them from the parents ideologically and they will not talk to their parents now because the parents don't hold the same views they do about global warming or, environment or whatever it's just put this giant wedge in between these families and separated the grandparents from the grandchildren which is tragic well and the vaccine has also done that Mm, yes it has. i know a number of of friends whose 
they've decided that they don't want to get double vaxxed and boosted. And uh, many of these well-educated women, the moms, have said, then you can't see the children. It's been, it's been kind of a really interesting thing. Yeah, and I, and I would say, as, as I think Dr. McDonald would agree, educated into fear. Their whole, the, the, the whole goal of the education, I think, system has been to make them afraid of everything. So they think they're making the right decision. And, oh, you haven't been triple-vaxxed, so I'm terrified you can't be around the grandkids. It's just terrible. It is terrible what's been going on. Let's go to break. In studio with me is Susan Kochevar. We're talking about the Great Reset and uh, just kind of what's going on out there in, in our country. Before we do that, though, the sponsor of the show is Kirsch Insurance Group. And... <clears throat> Steve, I know that you, well, you, uh, it, what, was it Medicare? Is that right? Your premium went up significantly? Yeah, yeah. I was surprised to see it rise. So let's see. I don't, can't quote you the percentage, but it went up like 40, 30 to $40 a month without getting real specific. And I was really kind of caught off guard. <coughs> so well, I, I called my guy and then also checked in with Danielle. And they both had the same response well you got a you got a, a raise in social security which i didn't i'm not i'm not claiming that yet or or taking that but the same government who's giving me a raise in social security is also taking more in medicare so the government that giveth can take it away, but that's why you need Kirsch Insurance Group on, on your side of the table regarding your Medicare uh, coverage. And they work with a lot of different companies or brokers, so you can find something that works great for you. They can help you save money. Check out their website. That's ikirsch.com. That's I-K-I-R-S-C-H.com. We'll be right back with Susan Kochevar. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan, while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at 3pointsfinancial.com. That's 3pointsfinancial.com. Would you have ever dreamed that freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion would be under assault and attack in America? Unbelievably, it is happening right before our eyes. That is why it is important to keep free-thinking, independent voices on the airwaves, the Internet, and social media. Kim Munson is one of those important voices. Help her keep independence alive. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute, to join Kim in the battle of ideas raging in America today. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. I have all my sponsors there. Another great sponsor of the show is Castlegate Knife and Tool, family-owned business, located right here in Sedalia, Colorado. Hal and Linnea Van Herkey have knives from the best blade makers from throughout the world. And so whether or not you're a chef or a sportsman or a collector, Castlegate Knife and Tool is the place for you. And that website is castlegate.com, castlegate.com. In studio with me is another great sponsor of the show. That is Susan Kochevar, owner of 88 Drive-In Theater. And spring is right around the corner. Coming up. Okay. So late March, first part of April, you'll be opening. Uh, Mid-April, maybe first part of May. 
Oh, I was getting too enthusiastic, huh? Okay. <laughs> it still snows too much. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're talking about the Great Reset, and you and I text back and forth quite often. And I knew it was happening, but I didn't have the name on it. Uh, back starting, I mean, this has been going on for a long time. Uh, now that we see the veil is off, moving people into, you know, bikes and buses and trains. Mm-hmm. People don't want to ride on bikes and buses and trains. They're not as safe. People would prefer their, their individual vehicles. Uh, the assault on home ownership, putting people into apartment buildings. So going after your freedom of mobility, your, your freedom, your property rights mm-hmm. on owning a home, all kinds of, uh, of assaults on everyday individuals. And Steve mentioned uh, John Eastman. Was it John Eastman that told that story about uh, John Kerry? Is that right? Yeah, at the very end of the interview. I, I don't, remember, don't remember what brought it up, but he couldn't resist telling that story about Kerry. Some public place, people standing in line, and I don't know if he was pushing the line to some degree, but he said to somebody, don't you know who I am? And somebody <laughs> close by says, yes, we know who you are. Get in the back of the line. <laughs> well, and how many times was he caught on an airplane without his mask? And what kind of airplane? He's one of the worst. And I know when Trump was in office, he was running around meeting with officials uh, from other countries and trying to make deals with them. And that is, um, is it, would that be treason or sedition? I get those <laughs> confused. I know certainly what Hillary Clinton was doing in, in infiltrating uh, Trump's tower and the White House servers is sedition. Uh it's interesting to me that now we're seeing the impact of John Durham and all of his investigations, and Trump has been out calling for Hillary Clinton to be uh, charged criminally, and she should be. But I think that is a stab at tearing apart what these people in Davos have been up to. There was also something, you know, you're talking about this coming from a long, for a long time. I highly recommend people look up Agenda 21. I remember when that people first started talking about that, and oh, if you're running for office, don't talk about that. They're going to think you're crazy. So there's this Agenda 21, and out of that came something called ICLEI. And ICLEI is something, I can't remember mm-hmm. what the uh, acronym stands for, <clears throat> but essentially uh, cities would sign on to ICLEI, and ICLEI had all kinds of environmental things they would do. I know one of the first places that we saw it, Uh, taking place was in trash hauling and they tried to shove all the single small business trash haulers out and put in one big single trash hauler and then they can control the trash they can control how much you buy through how much it costs they can they were demanding clear bags they could see what kinds of things you were buying uh so that's one of the things that ickley uh was was involved in there are other things they get their fingers into everything you know like the um, high density housing and I remember the city of Westminster had signed on to it, and I went to one of their, their meetings. They were talking about some high-density apartments. And uh, so this was a, like focus group meetings, and they weren't very happy with me because they were saying, well, you know, you'll live in this high-density housing, and you'll be happy, and you'll know all your neighbors. And I said, uh, excuse me, we know that's not what happens. When people live in communities, homes, neighborhoods, they know their neighbors. When you moved into an apartment, how many of your neighbors did you know? None of right. them. Not one, typically. It does not work that way. And, and people are happier um, when they're not so congested. I know they did studies back around the 60s uh, with rats, and they would pack them all in. Well, they would start to attack each other. And, and that kind of happens with people, too. It's too much. Well, and yeah, it's, it's uh, sharing walls. 
mm-hmm. can yep. can be tricky. It's, and if people want to do that, that's fine. Yes. What we're talking about is the forced or the coercion to do that. <clears throat> and the course, I'm not able to find it, but I know what, what you're talking about. And ICLEI was um, all kinds of different standards in building it. It makes construction much more um, expensive. Mm-hmm. And, um, okay, I'm going to ask you another question. Plastic bags. This assault on plastic bags. I have also thought that that is an assault against everyday people uh, being able to go to the market and and have the freedom to buy what they want and to be able to take a clean plastic bag home. Instead of, I remember during the COVID-19 thing, Mm -hmm. seeing people... Bring in dirty bags into the grocery store. I'm thinking about all the germs on that. But that was considered um, good because you weren't using a plastic bag. But the plastic bags, I either recycle them or we use them for all kinds of other stuff. Oh, yeah, I do too. It's all virtue signaling. They've got people so trained. You know, look, look at me. I'm just... I'm I'm bringing in my bags and I'm I'm wearing my mask and, and my gloves and two masks now and it, it it's sad uh, and they live in a state of fear and 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 again if people want if people want to use a recyclable bag that's great they can um, but also I I would recommend that people wash them because they get can get pretty dirty and bringing those back into the grocery store brings germs back into the grocery store yeah I'm not about forcing those people out of. You know, if they're comfortable in their gloves and their their masks, that's fine. But we need to stop forcing. And I think that is, Susan, one of the the blessings of COVID Mm -hmm. is the veil has come off on the tyrants. The veil has come off on Justin Trudeau. And I'm going to, Jen Saki, I'm going to circle back (laughs) to, to, um, to when we're looking at at government force. And, and I would really call on one of these legislat- legislators here in Colorado, and you know it's not going to go anywhere, but I would like somebody to go in and start to peel back on, uh, I think it's the Article 25, which is the 1,000-page um, <clears throat> bill that basically has given all these public health departments all of this power. I would really like somebody to come in and get rid of that and let's start over. Yeah, absolutely. That that should be peeled back because we see it really wasn't about health in the end. It was about power. And the the things that the health department came out with for people to do was the exact opposite of what you need to do to, um, you know, keep your body healthy and uh, fight off COVID. Well, <clears throat> and that's one other thing is, uh, and I've learned through this, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and that is, that we need to be advocates for ourselves with our own health. Mm-hmm. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to, um, you know, check check all kinds of uh, vitamins are a good thing. Yeah, exercise. We all need to become advocates for ourselves with our health. Yeah, you should always make your own independent decisions. You know, read your own. As you always say, read great books. That's I can't tell you how important that is. I go through and read so many, and uh, Audible is really helpful. But I just uh, finished Dr. Scott Atlas's book. And he, uh, I think it's a plague upon our house, and he was, you might recall, uh, pulled into the task force in the White House working on COVID. And one of the most important things he said was, speak up, be the person in the room that says the thing that everybody else is afraid to say. Because he was sitting at a table and so many people were afraid to challenge Dr. Burks because she was kind of a bully. 
and no one would say, oh, this doesn't make sense. Um, yes, you're seeing a spike because all the numbers were dumped in on the same day. It doesn't mean there's actually a spike in COVID. She wasn't even reading the data correctly, and no one would speak up. Well, and we do. We need to get our brains around these issues, <clears throat> and we need to speak up. Susan Kojivar, we're just about out of time. How would you like to button this up? Uh, <clears throat> I would say freedom versus force. <laughs> well, that's what we talk about all the time. And uh, each of us needs to speak up. I'm so encouraged. It's great to have you in studio. Thank you. It's fun to be here. Sun's okay. coming up. Okay. And our quote for the end of the day, again, because it's ha- uh, Valentine's Day, I wish you all a very happy Valentine's. I decided to go to love quotes. And, of course, the Bible is a great one. And this is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And it says, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. And again, that's 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My, My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America.